0: Choose Linux, Episode 1, for January 24th, 2019. Hello, and welcome to the show that captures the excitement of discovering Linux. I'm Joe. And I'm Jason. So this is Episode 1 of Choose Linux. I suppose we'd better explain a little bit about the show. First of all, Jason, you got into Linux about six months ago, and have been writing about it on Forbes ever since. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: it's you know, it started as uh, it started as a hobby and something that might be cool to tinker with and write about occasionally. And now it's just pretty much exclusively what I what
0: I cover, and it's consumed everything. Excellent. And I've been using Linux on the desktop since about two thousand and eight. Kind of tinkered a little bit before then. But yeah, been using it seriously for eleven years now. I can't believe it's that long. Wow. So the show's really just an excuse for me to get together with you every couple of weeks and ask you about what you've been playing with, what you've been writing about, what you've been doing with Linux. Well, there's no there's no shortage of that.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> um, and for me it's it's about just having a conversation with people um, about all the exciting stuff that I'm playing with and 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 discovering. And uh, what's what's really, I think, unique about this show is that you're a bit cynical, I hear.
0: Uh, I've been known to be called that, yeah.
1: <laughs> so you might kind of level me out, you know, and set me on the right path from time to time.
0: Yeah, maybe. <laughs> right. well, let's dive straight into it. The first thing I've noticed on Twitter and Forbes lately is this elementary OS challenge that you're right in the middle of.
1: Yeah, um, I, I you know, it's funny. I came up with this idea, this title, right, uh, like two months ago. Just Elementary OS challenge. That sounds so fun. What is that about? <laughs> how do I do that? <laughs> because um, uh, several months uh, ago, you know, just just very very shortly after kind of diving into Linux and you know, uh, rocking Ubuntu and everything, I decided I'm going to check out some of the distros. And Elementary was one of the first, and it was really clean and really elegant. But I didn't spend too much time with it because you know how distro hopping is. You sort of have these short affairs with distros, and then you go back to like your your comfort, your home, right? Um, but I wanted to sort of challenge myself to use nothing but elementary OS, no tweaks either, right? Nothing, just out of the box, what's on the App Center, and what you can get without adding a PPA.
0: Okay, and thankfully, they have audacity, so we can do this show. <laughs> yes,
1: exactly. <laughs> yep, recording it on elementary. Um and then I just, I just kind of came up with some, some loose, uh, rules for it and thought, well, this will be really fun to make it a kind of a community experiment. You know, I wanted to get out of my Ubuntu comfort zone. I wanted to generate some content. I wanted to learn some new things. And I wanted to also challenge other people to get out of their own comfort zone, whether it was Windows or Mac OS or uh, another Linux distribution, right? And just give this a, a fair shake for two weeks. And so uh, I set up a Telegram group, and uh, it—it's it, crazy. There's like 140 people in there after 48 hours. It has been a revelation to see all of these people that are either elementary veterans or brand new people to Linux, or or people who have just stuck to you know Ubuntu or Linux Mint or Debian or whatever. Come in and and kind of follow the same rules and like help each other and share the little insights they have and and gripes they have and and stuff like that. It's it's been a blast so far.
0: I did notice a little bit of criticism though, <laughs> because <laughs> Elementary OS isn't really for everyone, is it? It's it's very much its own thing, and you kind of have to like it or lump it.
1: That's really the impression that I get, and I think. A lot of that, it, it's a very, it's a very rigid operating system, right? I mean, the developers have this super precise vision of, of how they think your workflow should be and how they think the user experience should be. And they do not deviate from that. Like, oh, you want a minimize button? No, you don't get a minimize button. <laughs> and, yeah. but, and that was actually, I could not believe it this morning. Um, it, this went on this conversation in the in the elementary os challenge telegram group went on for like thousands of words for like an hour and a half and a little bit uh, before we started recording it actually picked back up again and it's it, it was just people going back and forth in excruciating detail about minimizing a window <laughs> i have never seen a discussion like this so complex and 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 so heated, you know, uh, healthy but heated, right? About minimizing a window. Yeah. It, it was incredible to me that that, you know, people can hone in on this one specific thing and have so many opinions. It was eye-opening. It was really eye-opening.
0: So how are you getting along with the challenge so far? Well, we're about halfway through
1: the challenge, and I don't know if I've really come up with a, you know, a, a solid opinion of the OS yet. I can say that there are many things I like about it and a few little grievances such as the lack of a minimize button. And that's because Windows and macOS has given us years and years of that workflow to like get, you know, blasted into our muscle memory, right? So you just want that on there. But uh, once you once you start to work around that, once you realize, hey, I can just hit super uh, super H or I can just click the, the apps icon in the dock to minimize it. Then you start to become more comfortable with it. And there's little, little things, little touches that I love about the design, just the desktop experience. Like if, uh, you know, if you hit your battery icon on the top panel and you have Bluetooth devices connected, it will show you the, uh, the battery life remaining of those Bluetooth devices along with your own laptop's battery. And you'll see apps that are consuming, you know, maybe an extra bit of power that you might want to minimize or something. Um, it's little touches like that. And it's like things like how every icon up there is just perfectly spaced and not, not too close and not too far apart. And, uh, you know, it, it, it also does very well. I have a, a high DPI screen. I'm using the Dell XPS 13. So it's a 4K screen. And for, the majority of every app that i've launched um the scaling is wonderful and it's just it's just really clean and really easy and i went into it probably like a lot of other linux users do all right what can i tweak what can i okay i need to fix this i want to fix this i want to change the theme and then once i realized wait this is like kind of you know part of the the rule set is no tweaks just accept it as it is and see what you think after a couple of weeks once I got out of that mindset, I really I, I really started to enjoy it and just started to get stuff done.
0: And so is it too early to say whether you'll be sticking with it after the challenge?
1: For me, yes. I wish I could tell you why I I haven't made up my mind. It's um I'll be honest, there's there's something about Ubuntu. I cannot define it. You know, I'm pretty much a noob in this world still, but there's something just comfortable and welcoming when I go back to Ubuntu. I don't know what it is though. I I really don't. I'll tell you this. I love the Pantheon desktop. I absolutely love that. And that's, uh, I know that the Pantheon is going to start what coming to uh, Fedora in the next few months. And so it might be interesting to try out that desktop environment on other distros. Maybe that will be like the winning combination. I don't, I don't know. In my (laughs) limited opinion, Elementary just feels
0: a touch too restrictive. Just just the touch. What with the lack of configuration?
1: Yeah, yeah, with the lack of configuration and and um and you know there's there's little there's little quirks like the fact that uh, and I don't know how common this is, but the fact that in their app center Telegram, for example, is several versions old. All oh, right. So it's it's little things like that. But on the flip side, they have a lot of really great indie developers making apps just for the app center. And I think a lot of those are really worth digging into and probably even giving, you know, the developers a buck or two because they're they're designing these apps that really seem to complement elementary OS, you know? They're not bloated, they're really clean and they just they just get the job done and they have only what they need to get the job done.
0: Yeah, now I've tried elementary OS before. I'm not taking part in this challenge, I'm afraid, because I'm too grumpy and too set in my ways. <laughs> But, you know, I've tried it before when the Juno release came out, Mm -hmm. version 5, and I was very impressed with it, but it's just not for me. I think that it really is either for you or it's not. It's not the kind of distro where, like Ubuntu Mate, for example, you can make that into almost anything you want, whereas with elementary OS, it is what it is, and you either like it or you don't, and it's just not quite for me, I don't think
1: that's really interesting isn't it because it, it you know they have such a clear vision for what they want and there's really not much deviation happening with that and like you said you know you can you can fire up your you know linux flavor of choice and make it what you want if it's not quite there but with elementary it really is i think it's a it's it's not a love hate <laughs> relationship but it's maybe a love or eh relationship right
0: yeah Yeah, well, it's what we call in the UK Marmite, I think. Some people really love it and some people just can't get on with it. And I think I'm the latter. Although I know Dan fairly well, the um, founder of elementary OS, and I really understand where he's coming from with it. He's got some really defined design principles and he just has this vision for what an operating system should be. And, you know, it's not just him, he's not just a dictator or whatever, it's him and the team, but they they have this really defined vision. And I think that, I don't know if it's unique in the Linux world, but it's certainly unusual to have such a defined vision and to just focus so much on exactly what they want and sacrifice customization and configurability in order to do that. And we always have the choice to choose another distro, and that's kind of their philosophy is this is how we think a distro should be and take it or leave it which i think is is good i think we need more of that rather than trying to be all things to all people if you're going to stand out as a distro then i think that's the best way to do it because there are plenty of other options if you want a specific other way of using your computer
1: yeah yeah And, and i have to i have to mention this joe um I never would have imagined that the co-founder of an operating system would come into my Telegram group, right? And and just start talking to people and answering their questions and telling them, "Hey, this is why we had this design choice. Here's a blog about it and here's some productivity tips," right? It I mean, sure, it's only, you know, Elementary OS only has a few hundred thousand users, but it's not some obscure little distro either. And it it really It just impressed me that those guys took the time to show up and actually be approachable and and personal with everybody in there.
0: Yeah, I think elementary is just the right size for this, where they've got enough users to be a a serious distro, but the team behind it aren't so busy that they just don't have time to engage with the community, and they, they don't have that separation. You know, you couldn't imagine... Mark Shuttleworth, for example, jumping in a Telegram group, <laughs> talking to Ubuntu users, right. because it, it'd just be crazy. There'd just be so many of them, and he just doesn't have time to do that. So I, I think that it, some people have called it a boutique distro, hmm. Elementary OS, and I think that might be fair, but it's, it's one of the more popular ones.
1: How long do you think there'll be a boutique distro?
0: That's a very good question um it's kind of a meaningless term anyway um at what point do they add enough staff or get enough users to not be a boutique destroyer it's it's too difficult to say but one thing we haven't talked about is the the financial side of things which they're very much unashamed of you have to purchase the iso in the first place you can purchase it for 0 dollars if you want but you have to actively do that and then similarly with a lot of the apps in app center they are strongly encouraging you to pay for them, which, again, is very unusual in the whole Linux space and I think is a very good thing. But um, have you seen any controversy in the Telegram group regarding that? I really haven't. And to be honest, I I did
1: expect some, a little bit of blowback about that, but uh, haven't heard it yet. What I have heard is several people um, mentioning that they, they appreciate that that's an option and they appreciate that... Indie developers have an opportunity to get paid for their work. But the reason behind that is hey, I'm a user and I love your, you know, your podcasting client for Elementary OS. Can you add this feature? Well, if a developer is not making any money on this software, maybe they wouldn't be so inclined to include that feature as if they were making some kind of an income right and a paying user comes along and says i'd love to see this feature would you consider adding it yeah that was the angle that the uh the telegram group was taking which i, I really thought was cool
0: yeah that is encouraging to see because that's the reality developers need to get paid and i think it's really good that elementary os are pushing that idea forward so i we'll have to see how this challenge works out whether people can stick with it for two weeks I have failed without even trying, I'm afraid, but I'm sure that plenty of listeners will get into it and maybe some people will stick with it long-term. So we'll have to see about that. And stay tuned for the Arch
1: Linux challenge five years from now.
0: (laughs) I was going to (laughs) say, yeah, maybe start with Manjaro. (laughs) So something else you've been playing with recently is Open Media Vault, which is a network storage solution on steroids.
1: Apparently it is. I I don't know what they mean by steroids, though, because I have literally no experience with network-attached storage or a server environment. So I just threw myself into this blind, right? Um, And the reason is, you know, I've got files all over the place. I've got a bunch of systems, music, movies, docs, projects, whatever. And I just kind of wanted to learn something new and in the process, hopefully, consolidate all of this stuff into one place. And then also have all these machines back up to this one place periodically, right?
0: Yeah, because you want all your backups in one place, of course.
1: Well, you know, you know, it's a learning process, right? It's a learning process.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah, we're well, better to have them there as well as wherever they are originally.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and kind of the primary thing was I have like 93 gigabytes of music, uh, because I'm I'm not one of those people who just streams everything, and <laughs> it's all sitting on Google Music right now. And I'd kind of like to escape that, have one less thing that I'm reliant on Google for. Yeah, it would be nice. So I just kind of threw myself in headfirst, and man, this was not this was not an easy thing. I I read all of these articles saying, hey you know open media vault is awesome for beginners anybody can nas you know yeah. that kind of that kind of attitude and i was like no not anybody not anybody can do this i tried i got as far as uh successfully installing it on the second try and i uh after figuring out what the heck the ip address was right because i have very little command line experience so I had no idea. How do I find? I know this sounds really dumb, probably to a lot of listeners, but I had no idea how to discover the IP address of this box with OMV on it, so that I could use the web interface to administrate it on a different PC. And uh, so, unfortunately, I had to Google that. I was trying to, you know, go in without any tutorials, but I had to Google that what the command was. So I got that, and then I uh, I successfully, you know, fired up the. The web administration page and created a user, and uh, you know activated FTP and did some stuff like adding the uh, DAAP plugin. I think it's called for streaming audio out to other other devices. But man, it was it was very uh, unintuitive. I had no experience, and so I thought, okay, I'm just gonna I'm gonna fire up this web interface and like start dragging and dropping things into a folder, and it'll just upload it. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> First create your user and then add FTP uh functionality and then create a shared folder that that user can access via FTP and fig- you know figure out all those privileges and then FTP the stuff there and uh I just I I started getting a little lost honestly. I started just kind of losing the plot. And I I couldn't help wonder is there Is there an easier way to do this, or at least a a way that makes more sense?
0: Oh, that's interesting. I thought you'd go the Samba route rather than FTP, because there's an option in there to set up Samba shares. You didn't think to do that then? Uh, no. (laughs) Ah, interesting. No, I did not. (laughs) Oh, right, because if you do that, then they just show up as network shares in most file managers. Interesting. Okay, okay. That makes
1: sense. Yeah. But like I said, like this is networking and like server environments. I, I really have very little experience with it. You know, I can, I can talk to you for two hours about how a GPU works and about the architecture. Uh, but when it comes to this stuff, yeah, I'm, I'm a noob big time. Now you also, uh, you also played with it a little bit, right? Cause I think you had just rolled your own NAS from scratch before.
0: Yeah, so the NAS that I have is um, based on Ubuntu 18.04. It's actually Zubuntu rather than Ubuntu Server because it's nice to have a GUI for some things. And it's essentially just a computer that I can use for a bit of light browsing and documents and stuff occasionally. And so I thought, well, why not just have a GUI as well? And so I've got that um, with a mirrored ZFS pool of two six terabyte disks. Oh, that's beautiful. With a two terabyte external USB drive which I have a con job backing up the really, really important stuff too. So I've kind of got a bit of redundancy. It's not the best solution, but it's better than I had before because I used to just have a ton of external disks and I just my data was a mess. I wanted something that was centralized and easy to use. And so I just installed Samba on that and then did the config file, which is not that complicated you just follow some guides and it's all very straightforward really and then boom it's all just ready to use and i've been happily using it ever since i don't have great performance when it comes to read and write speeds because it's only a sata 2 motherboard and Mm. um, with this mirrored zfs it's not great but i wasn't really that bothered about it because i'm mostly writing to it over wi-fi anyway and i only get sort of I don't know, about 17 megabytes a second, which is absolutely fine when it comes to reading and writing to the disks. So it's it's a much simpler solution, I think, than using OpenMediaVault. It sounds like it, yeah. But then again, it's not kind of click and drag and GUI. It's got the GUI insofar as that I have got XFCE running on there, but I mostly interact with it either over SSH or just using the file manager. And that's the thing that, with my experience of Hypermedia Vault, it's it's a very powerful tool. Insofar as you can do an awful lot with it, SSH, FTP, Samba, torrent client. But my concern with new users using it is that it's opening up a lot of this complex software in a way that is a bit too accessible, if you know what I mean. I think that if you grind through each part of it individually, then you will ultimately end up with a greater understanding of how these things work and how they all fit together. Whereas if you've got this sort of one size fits all solution with Open Media Vault, then you're not really learning that much. You're kind of muddling through and not really learning why things are the way they are.
1: Okay. And that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I I had this, you know, pie in the sky vision that I'm just going to install this and I'm going to have my perfect Once I figured it all out, I'm going to have my perfect, you know, personal like cloud server and backup solution. Um, In reality, I don't think it's going to shake out like that at all. So what would you like, what would you recommend? Would you recommend just me doing exactly what you've done with Ubuntu 18.04 and Samba?
0: Yeah, pretty much. I would say if you've got a laptop or desktop machine that you can set aside for it, then just do that just install uh, if you're happy enough with ubuntu most people would say to you "Oh, well, just install it headless just install ubuntu server and build it all up over ssh but occasionally it's nice to be able to look stuff up on the browser of the machine rather than having to manually type it in you can do more copy and paste and stuff and i think if you're getting into it for the first time then it makes more sense to just install ubuntu or, or whatever distro you want um and then build it up afterwards and uh, as for the streaming, that's not something that I do, but there are definitely solutions that you can install on top of Ubuntu to, to get that streaming working.
1: Okay, I'll have to look into it. Yeah, that's that was a big component of it for me, was just being able to stream either inside my home or outside my home, instead of you know, relying on the Google beast for everything.
0: Well, accessing it from outside is opening Pandora's box, I think. It's not that complicated, but if it's all on your LAN and you make security mistakes, it's not the end of the world. Mm. Whereas once you start opening your LAN up to the rest of the world, the whole internet, (laughs) that's when you could come into more problems if you don't configure it all properly. And so that's why I generally would advise new users not to do that. Okay, At least at first. So
1: baby steps for me.
0: Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of people who would disagree with me but just my advice to people is that that I just it's not that wise if you're not fully cognizant of exactly what's going on on your network, then opening it up to the rest of the world could maybe possibly get dangerous.
1: Okay, that's good advice. But yeah, the good the good news is um, I did get so far as actually loading up some of my music on that box and streaming it both to my other machines in the house and to an Android music app. Nice. That felt good. That was a It was a small accomplishment, so it was pretty cool.
0: And is that with the plugin then?
1: Yeah, that's just with the, uh, I think it's called Forked, Forked D-A-A-P.
0: And so I suppose the next step would be to enable Samba on that. Box so that you can then interact with it more easily. Because how did you do the FTP? Did you install FileZilla or something?
1: Actually, just from within Nautilus.
0: Oh, right. It's been a long time since I've used Nautilus. I didn't know that had FTP. Yeah,
1: I, I actually stumbled across that. I didn't, I didn't actually realize you could do that. I know you could do it with, uh, I think you can do it with Windows Explorer, but I don't know who really does that anymore. But uh, yeah, I, I realized you could just do it in Nautilus, and so then I just added my credentials, and boom, then it was drag and drop.
0: Oh, excellent. It's sort of a similar story with Samba. At least in Thunar and XFCE, you just go to Browse Network and then try and open the folder, and then it asks for your credentials, and then you can tell it to remember forever. And after that, it's just like a local folder, except that slightly slower, depending on your network speed.
1: Ah, oh, okay, great. I think it's really similar to how the the FTB functionality works in Nautilus, then.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it. So maybe you don't even need to then, if you've already got a, a nice gooey way of copying files on and off it. Can you create folders and everything?
1: Actually, I wasn't sure how to create folders anywhere except the OMV web interface.
0: All right, because with Samba, it's just like having a folder on your local machine. You can just right-click, new folder, name it what you want, open it up, start copying files into it.
1: Then that sounds like the superior option.
0: (laughs) Yeah, or you could use an FTP client, which is a bit clunky. You could use FileZilla to connect to it and then... I don't know, although FTP is just clunky compared to Samba, I think. Definitely. Well, it sounds like you're on track to solve the problem and maybe OpenMediaVault is going to be the solution you need.
1: Maybe, maybe. I'm going to I'm going to, you know, spend a few more days with it and um probably just start over from scratch and, you know, actually dedicate a couple drives to it, put them in RAID, do it how it's, you know, properly, right? And um yeah, I'll just keep experimenting and if it works, it works. And if not,
0: I'll try something else. That's that's all part of the journey, really. So rumor has it you've just received a Raspberry Pi. And so we might end up talking about that next time.
1: Yeah, actually, my first ever Raspberry Pi. I have literally no experience with one of those. But there's probably a dozen things I'd like to try with it. So who knows what we'll be talking about?
0: Yeah, it might be RetroPie. It might be some sort of Cody situation. It might actually tie in nicely with OpenMediaVault if you can stream some stuff from that to the Pi. Yeah,
1: definitely. Um, pie hole. I mean, yeah, there's just so many. There's no shortage of, of interesting projects to do with that thing. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, I've actually got a Raspberry Pi 3, not quite the newest one, that's sitting around doing nothing. So maybe you can inspire me to do something interesting with it. Deal. Well, with that, we'd better wrap it up then. We'll be back in two weeks with more exciting discoveries.
1: And if you want to find me on Twitter, I am at KillYourFM. I'm at Joe Ressington. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. See you later.